sing by now. never know if I was. No, I'm not an ingenue enough to be Chris to him. If anything, I'd be Meg. <laughs> Shut up, Meg. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I would pick you over Meg. Would you? Yeah. Alright. Nine times out of ten, I'd Maybe pick I you. Maybe I could be Raoul. We'll do a different version of the Phantom of the Opera. And the fan fiction version. And I can be Christine. Awesome. This is one that if I had it my way... Mm-hmm. I would have watched by now. Yes. This is hardly a drag me kicking and screaming mm-hmm. to the sofa or to the theatre. This is one that I'm very eager to watch. We covered its predecessor mm-hmm. last year at this time for Thanksgiving. Yep. And it felt only fitting that we'd have to wait another year mm-hmm. to have the second part. But my days have i wanted to watch black friday for the longest time yeah i love starkid we've talked about this we've had quite a few starkids this year which has been really really exciting so we've had trail to oregon twisted and what was the bug one called starship yeah so some really good ones but i've been longing to mm-hmm. see the sequel kind of MCU-esque inspired universe of the Hatchet Field series yeah. develop. Mm-hmm. I really liked Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. <laughs> I completely got the plot wrong. Yes, you did. I still think there's a market out there for this kind of like Scrooge-esque one, mm-hmm. you know, with, with somebody learning to love musical theatre by, you know, the ghosts of musicals past present and future yeah i still don't know who my ghosts would be like do you have do you have it be characters like the phantom or do you have it be the people behind musical theater like so do you have andrew lloyd Webber? up in the middle of the night and andrew lloyd Webber was telling me that i needed to think about the life choices i'd made i'd be very confused <laughs> but do you know what i mean like what would be a better what would be better in terms of watching this like having the phantom show up or having the phantom show up (laughs) Mm. like i think it'd be quite funny and really cool like if you got like lin-manuel miranda as like musicals present i guess but then it becomes very different you have to have a fictional creation for musicals future unless you have like a really young up-and-coming person anyway that's besides the point yeah that's last year's show go back and listen to the guy who didn't like musicals and if you haven't listened to that one already you probably should because this one will no doubt have spoilers for that one mm-hmm. we're returning to Hatchetfield. yes jeff blim writing more music mm-hmm. joey richter and lauren lopez still in it mm-hmm. jamie lynn betty mm-hmm. good i'm gonna be happy yes start the show we also would this one have the return of one of my favourite star kids, which is Dylan Saunders? Oh, yay! He is somebody who this year I've grown to like so much more. He really is one of my favourite star kids. I really liked him in Twisted. I think the heart he captured as Jafar mm-hmm. was phenomenal. I think he was great in Starship. Yeah. 
his Dumbledore didn't necessarily impress me, but I, again, we're looking at more seasoned Star Kid performances at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So I do need to go back and rewatch the the Potter trilogies and I think just appreciate them for what they are as opposed to just that being an introduction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cool. Dylan Saunders. Oh, I'm intrigued to know who he's going to play because we never saw much of the aliens. Mm. Could he be an alien character? <laughs> he, maybe. <laughs> no, is the answer. <laughs> He's not. So we see the return of a lot of Star Kids in this one, but somebody we won't see return who was in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals is Mariah Rose Faith. Yes. Who multi rolled in The Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. It was her first Star Kid performance, and she was announced to be in Black Friday. Yeah. And as soon as they announced she was going to be in Black Friday, she got cast in Mean Girls, the musical. That's very cool for her. As I... Regina George, which is. Like she said, was like a dream role. That was ridiculous. How has she been cast? She went along to the audition just because she got an audition. Yeah, and obviously you... she was trying because you've got to. And you're networking as well. Yeah. Worst case scenario, somebody considers you for something else. Mm. And mean... she wasn't expected anything to come out of it. Which yeah. is why she signed on to do Star Kid. But obviously. <laughs> I bet they were all like, go. Yeah, bye now. <laughs> like... <laughs> Off you go. So what? she would not appear in black friday but she's the only member of the previous musical not to appear in black friday. which is fair enough so are they playing the same characters or are they new versions so this is this is the thing i'm pretty certain that i've seen it somewhere yeah this isn't a direct sequel this is a parallel universe mm-hmm. think loki think the marvel cinematic multiverse now you know, this is a, an alternate timeline of Hatchetfield. I don't know where I've got that idea from. You're not wrong. So this is an alternate universe of Hatchetfield where the events of the previous show never happened. Yeah, so it's almost like the same year, but a different disaster is facing them. Mm-hmm. So they are the same characters then. Jeff Blim will play the same character. He will be that wacky cop slash the, the great military general character again. Or are they, or do you have some characters reappearing? So, like, will Lauren Lopez be the Latte Hate again? <laughs> Can you not remember what her name was? No, I just know she was the Latte Hate. Latte Hate. <laughs> but, like, will she be that character again? Emma. Yes. Yeah. Or are all the characters different? So, everybody in this show multi roles except for Dylan Saunders. Okay, so is Dylan Saunders now our insert character? Because the only person who didn't multi-role... Was Paul. Was Paul, was the titular guy who didn't like musicals. Mm-hmm. So is he now a different character? Is it? Are we not following Paul's story? Cool. I'm intrigued. I'm not saying anything. He does play Paul again. He reprises his role as Paul. There are a lot of characters, because this is an alternate universe who show up again, but then there are also new characters who we haven't met before. Cool. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll have like a new antagonist then. Mm. You know, different disaster. That would be quite cool. What do you know about this other than that? Right. The only thing I have heard, the only thing I'm faintly aware of is this Wiggler thing. (laughs) Right. And Wiggler look... I don't know if I've even seen Wiggler. I think Georgia from the Best Film Ever podcast... She, she had her... She has a Wiggler doll. 
And I remember you, she said... You know that me... you're not calling it the right name, right? No, I, I don't. It's Wiggly. Wiggly. Okay, so... A Wiggly doll. I know she has a Wiggly doll. And I know that she sent us pictures before we recorded Little Shop of Horrors mm-hmm. of her Wiggly doll. Mm-hmm. I don't for the life of me remember what it looked like. But in my mind, and this is so stupid, you know you get like that weird... You know like... the, the You know Weedle, mm-hmm. the Pokemon... Right? Yeah. And you know how in, like, Mario you've got, like, this big, like, bug thing that walks around and has, like, a little flower on top of its head and kind of looks like a Weedle, but it's bigger? Okay. Like, that's what I'm picturing in my mind. It's like that crossed with, like, Teddy Ursa. Oh, really? Sure. As much as I can, like, picture in Pokemon, which now I have to draw, obviously. (laughs) What, Wiggly in... Uh, Mario form. Yeah. That's fair enough. I... Wiggly is an underwater creature with a fuzzy tummy. Okay. We love him. I think I'm mistaking it for uh, Pokey. This is what I was thinking. That's what I was envisioning. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. Completely Maybe wrong. Maybe eyes, but, you know. Okay, so for those of you who are unsure what I've just referenced, Juice, Google Super Mario Enemies and find Pokey. That's what I am picturing mm-hmm. Wiggly to look like. And I'm clearly very wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a direct sequel. Obviously, Starkid have done direct sequels before. Yeah. But I, I guess not a direct sequel in the fact that like it's a reimagining of one of their properties, which is a very interesting concept, especially because it is a year later. Like this was the the next big show after Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. Yeah. And obviously the Hatchet Field series isn't just two musicals. There's Nightmare Time and, and, and other spin-off properties. Yeah. And we're supposed to have Prudy Girls Must Die. <laughs> Nerdy Prudes. Nerdy Prudes must yeah. die. And that, We're supposed to get that. that but it's obviously been very, yet. very delayed. Yeah. But that's another entry into the, the Hatchetfield trilogy. Yeah. Why is it called Black Friday? Is it anything to do with like Thanksgiving or like is it set over the Thanksgiving weekend? What is Black Friday? It's the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, but what is it? Why is it called Black Friday? Hmm. Isn't it the day where like businesses go from being in the red to in the black? Yeah. And start being profitable. Yeah. Because it's the day that people do the most shopping on any day of the year. So it is set on that Black Friday day. Yeah. Okay. So what are we shopping for? Wigglies. Yeah. Oh, that's why Georgia said like she could get her hands on one. Yeah. That's the joke. It's like, it's really difficult to get one because Black Friday. Oh my God. Is this Jingle All The Way the musical? That everyone has to get the turbo. Turbo Man. Oh my God. Turbo, turbo. I have a new Pop Funko figure. And I love it because mm-hmm. it is Turbo Man. But it's specifically the end of the film where it's Arnold Schwarzenegger dressed as Turbo Man and he's holding the Turbo Man doll. So it's like popception. And it's like now pride and joy. I love Jingle All The Way. That would make a great musical. But I'm hoping this will fill the void. Mm-hmm. I, I guess there's not much more to say on it. We we know that it, it's the same creative team behind this. Jeff Blim's writing the music. Nick and Matt Lang have written the book. Mm-hmm. Starkid reception was it was it well received? Uh, people really like this, especially because the Hatchetfield sort of universe is being expanded upon, but also that 
No, I can't say that as a spoiler. <laughs> but also that characters that they loved were going to return. Yes. And that they were going to see more of this sort of weird place. Do you know what Welcome to Night Vale is? No. Right. <laughs> I, maybe. I don't know. So there was this, this radio show, podcast radio play thing called Welcome to Night Vale. And it was this guy on his own radio show where he would talk about things that were happening in his town and it all came out with this like beautiful soft radio voice but he was talking about weird stuff that was happening in his town obviously it was a play it was all fictional so like war of the worlds then in the fact that it was supposed to be presented as real if war of the worlds was entirely just one guy sitting talking about what he could see out of his window and obviously, yeah. as the as Welcome to Night Vale got bigger, it they had more characters come in and they made more references and he went on trips to go places and took the radio with him and stuff like that. Yeah. But um it's just the like uncanny valley of having a really normal sounding character telling you about all of these really abnormal things. Yeah. So he would be like Oh, and just a reminder, if you see that shadowy figure by the dog park, you should know by now, don't go in the dog park. Nobody goes in the dog park. And then, like, all hail the glow cloud. And, like, stuff like that. You'd see it at Comic-Con all the time. Yeah. This Hatchetfield universe fits, like, perfectly into the niche of people who liked Welcome to Night Vale. Cool. It's, like, normal characters dealing with this wacky stuff and most of them just being like okay cool this is this is how the world is now nice yeah i was obsessed with welcome to night (laughs) it's exactly my kind of thing yeah no that sounds very very cool and i guess whilst we're on the topic of you know podcast like alternative podcast dramas or Mm -hmm. uh, ways of telling stories midnight musicals is officially launched first episode came out Last week, mm-hmm. we spoke with Jared Good for It's Your Favourite Musical podcast back in October. I loved it. I really, really enjoyed the first episode. It, it, well worth checking out if you haven't already. They are on Apple Podcasts. Go yeah. check out Midnight Musicals and the Total Horror Show Part 1. Mm-hmm. Be warned, it's not safe for work. <laughs> like us, we're safe for work, but, <laughs> you know, it's it's well worth a check and I'm, I'm excited to, to hear more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we love and support queer podcasts. On we channel, absolutely so. do. I think this is one of the things I like about this. It's the same thing that I had with Anna and the Apocalypse. But, you know, with Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, with Anna and the Apocalypse, and no doubt with Black Friday, is it feels a very niche, like, hole in the musical world. Mm. This is the thing, right? I don't want to see these kind of stories from the perspective of, like, the, the army general. Yeah. Because I know how he's going to deal with it. You know, he's he'll just fight his way through the zombies and, like, blow stuff up. Not interested. But a barista <laughs> trying yeah. to deal with all this stuff happening and just being like, oh, my God, what do I do? Incredible. Exactly yeah. the niche that we like. Yeah, exactly. And I like the idea that Hatchetfield is, like, this nexus event that something has always got to yes. happen in Hatchetfield. Mm. Like... Hatchetfield needs to go and the universe just keeps throwing stuff at it to try and get rid of it. In every universe, Hatchetfield has to end. Mm -hmm. How it ends is different each time. You know, one time it could be giant rats. Mm -hmm. 
one time it could be a tidal wave and in one time it could be aliens that make you enjoy musicals yeah but like this this genre of musical you don't get in you know like it's the same with be more chill and little shop of Horrors. it fits that perfectly mm-hmm. you know so i'm very very excited for that for black friday and to get a sense of what wiggly actually is yeah where does this one rank for you? So Star Kids liked this one. Mm-hmm. For you, is it one you're fond of? This is so recent. Yeah. Well, this me. is their their most recent big one. This was... It was 2020. It's 2019. Well, for us to watch it, we who could not go to LA to see it in 2019. Because the actual show ran from October 31st 2019 until December 8th and then it was uploaded onto YouTube on February 29th of 2020. Okay. And sold on DVD. There we go. That's why I got my dates confused. Yeah. And they made over $500,000. That's very cool. In preparation of this, which they were only asking for 155,000, which is really good. But this is a, a Kickstarter. Cool. It's cool. I'm wondering, especially like because we've seen Starship now, and obviously Dylan Saunders was great with the puppet. Yeah. Will there be a wiggly puppet? I'm not saying anything. I love Wiggly. We all should love Wiggly. You will love Wiggly. (laughs) And on that ominous foreboding note. Yep. We we... are all aboard the SS Wiggle. And you will find out if I love Overlord Wiggly when we return from intermission. Mm-hmm. Time to set sail for Giggle. Oh dear. See you shortly. Take me back in time to love you Take me back when we were lost Lost in love and lost in feeling without the cost Take me back in time to high school Take me back when things were light Like my heart and light my shadow And make it all right And we are back. Yes, we have been to the black and white. We survived the wiggly apocalypse. And I have not dematerialised. I am here to talk Black Friday. Mm-hmm. Ah, this is such a good show. Right? Like, <laughs> I know we say this every time. Every time we watch one of the newest Star Kids, you're like, this is such a good show. And I'm like, I know, I told you. But like, 
A, the production values of this... Are so good, isn't that? Right. And obviously, this is the most recent Starkid musical. Like, you would expect... Stage musical. Yeah, but you would expect something that was filmed in 2019 to look this good. Mm-hmm. The thing is, we we have now... We haven't seen every Starkid, but we have seen the first Starkid mm-hmm. and the last Starkid or at least the most recent Starkid musical. Yeah. This is the most mature thing they've done by far. And this is a, I believe, a career high for so many of them. Mm-hmm. Because they're not just here making jokes. Like, there is still some really funny moments to this. But, like, this shows that they're not just this novelty group that do funny musicals like this shows that they are seasoned amazing performers who can create such interesting stories Mm -hmm. and that they they are masters of their craft like this was just incredible and i i loved twisted Mm -hmm. and i would say that up until this point twisted was my favorite Starkid musical and that's like an absolute comfort musical you know mm-hmm. I think this is now my favourite Starkid because it's just so thought provoking and so well done you still have some really good funny moments but you've got a story with some heart to it as well Yeah, I just loved it I loved every second of it <laughs> So explain Wiggly to me, Danny. Wiggly is Tickle Me Elmo. Wiggly is it. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, because then you've obviously got, like, Hannah with her shining. Webby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. Yeah, so Hannah is Danny from The Shining. Like, that's just what her character is. Yeah. And... Do you, do you want to know what Wiggly's full name is? Sure. Is Wigog Irath, one of the five Lords in Black, the Lord of Despair. Fantastic. The other Lords in Black are... <laughs> this is really hard to say, seriously. So it's Wiggly, Tinky, Blinky, Pocotho, Nibble Nephim, and Webby. Cool. Yeah. And they all live in the black and white together with the uh, Sniggles. Well, so this is it. Like, we have a really great opening with the Tickle Me Wiggly jingle, Mm -hmm. which is great. It's a really nice, ominous overture into, you know, a children's show. It's very Firefly Funhouse. Yep. Which obviously doesn't exist anymore because I'm still bitter that The Fiend isn't with WWE, but whatever. Yeah. But it's that idea of taking something that should be calming and reassuring, Mm -hmm. but having this sinister edge to it. And, you know, there's something very Fiend-esque about Wiggly, which I like. Well, even in this this jingle, one of the Sniggles, which is what the kids are called, says to Uncle Wiley, who is Wiggly? Where does he live? And the answer is, he lives deep down in Drowsy Town, sleeping the dreamless sleep of the dead. But that's exactly, it's one of those moments, like... <laughs> Did he actually just say that? Well, yeah, again, so it, it really is, like, the best comparison I can make for people who 
haven't seen this and maybe like me come with a different thing it is like firefly funhouse we have something really wholesome and then this sinister moment where everything stops and it's like did that just happen it's great and it's a really nice opening and i think this show does a fantastic job throughout introducing us to new characters and we very quickly get a handle of what they're about mm -hmm. even if they are inconsequential we get to know these characters very very well mm -hmm. it's very very well written so Paul immediately turns off the wiggly jingle because it's super annoying and it would be if it was playing on a radio station in the car. One of the things I really like about this is the crowd responses. They're just happy to see these characters again. Yeah. And I can't help but wonder how many of them knew that this is alternate reality Hatchetfield going into it. Was it was pitched as that beforehand when the Kickstarter happened. So people okay, knew so that they going knew it. Fair it. enough. But... They're just excited to see these characters. Like we see Paul and Emma and everyone's like, oh my God, it's them. And they're together. Yep. Which is very, very cool because obviously the which... last time we saw them, Paul has become a guy who sings musicals. Yeah. However, in this universe, they just met at the coffee shop and got together organically and they're just together now. Yeah. Which is nice. It's almost like they were always destined to be together in every reality. Some realities, it's easier than others. But it's quite nice. And one of the things I really like, I remember that she talked about being in the shadow of her sister and her sister died. Mm -hmm. And she wants to honour her sister's memory by starting a pot farm. Yeah. I remember that. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that we see that she's going over to celebrate and Thanksgiving with her brother-in-law. Yeah. So that's quite nice. But one of the one of the things I really, really like is the sound effects as they shut the door. Like, it's just a small thing, but it's so well synced that you hear the, the car door slamming, the boot opening, the boot being shut, the keys. It's so well done and well synchronised. Yeah, because it means you don't, you don't actually have to think about it while it's happening. Right. It just happens. Exactly. I love that they're talking about, like, different toys of the past and, like, Wiggly is just as annoying. And one of my favourite things Cabbage is... Cabbage Patch Kids. The Cabbage Patch... Yeah, because we have Emma say... What even is a Cabbage Patch Kid? I wanted a salad, but now I have a child. Like, some really nice Fun lines. fact. There is a Cabbage Patch. Museum is not the right word for it. It's the Cabbage Patch Kids Nursery yeah. Hospital. Jesus. And you can go and watch Cabbage Patch Kids being birthed from the mother tree. Blech. That is a real thing. <laughs> That that actually sounds, happens. That sounds so gross. <laughs> it's literally just like there's like two leaves, like a cabbage, and then the heads pop out of the middle. It's so weird. How vaginal. <laughs> yep. Well, we, we very quickly meet Tom, and that's Dylan Saunders. Yep. I didn't realise that this was the first Star Kid he had done since Twisted. Yeah. If you're gonna go out on a high note, Twisted is one heck of a high note to go out on. Mm -hmm. And to come back for a show like this, and, I mean, damn, he's hot in this. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, aged out isn't the word that I want. That isn't the phrasing I want. But, you know, where somebody, like, grows into themselves. Yes. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. He definitely looks older, but, like, having the beard... Yeah. And it, the great thing is about the way he looks now, mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is just they, they put it on for the character. Yeah. But he already looks grown up, more, more mature. Like, this feels like a homecoming. 
And he definitely isn't going to be coming back to play roles like Starship Mm -hmm. or like Jafar because the appearance certainly looks more mature and more grown up now. So he needs to play these different roles. Yeah. And this is a great role for him to play because like the heart he brings to it, like he's this cranky war veteran who has lost his wife and you can see that he is broken with the world. All he has is Tim. He doesn't want Emma here. Mm-hmm. She thinks it's a family thing, but he's like, no, you're here to babysit so I can go to the mall. Yeah. Which she's like, oh. Cause... Great, I'm glad this is so important to you. Yes. <laughs> One of my favourite bits when we meet him, obviously this is the first time that Paul is meeting him, and Paul says, thank you for your service. And he just responds, I didn't do it for you. Yeah. You know, again, really, really great introduction to the character. We meet Tim as well. Mm -hmm. They're talking about the circus and things they can do and the fun fairs. Yeah, so Tim is played by the same actor who was going to play Hannah later on. This is Kendall Nicole, who is 13 in this show. It's amazing. Yeah. She was... She was having acting coaching from Kurt Mega. Yeah. And... She said to him, hey, could I audition for this one? I know you're looking for a kid character. Yeah. But usually that's like Lauren Lopez's typecasting, which is really funny. She always plays the child if there is one. Yep. So Kendra Nicole put herself forwards and was like, I'd like to do this. And they auditioned her and she is the youngest star kid to date. Yeah. And she's absolutely phenomenal in Mm -hmm. this. Like, wow. One of the things I like is they talk about doing bumper cars. And Tim says... I don't like getting like, hit by cars anymore. It's that sort of it's perfect star kid humour. Uh-huh. And it's enough now because we're like in this mundane world. Yeah. And we're allowed to have the humour before the real horror strikes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's star kid humour. Really well done. I, I just really liked this as an opening. Tom is going to be a good dad. The whole plan is that he's going to the mall to get a Wiggly. But Mm. Tim doesn't see it that way. Tim is upset because they should be doing a family day. And instead, Tom is off to the mall, presumably to buy drill bits. Yeah. So I really like that. There's that element of, I'm just trying to be a good dad. I'm getting the hottest toy of the season for my child. But they can't know because it has to be a surprise. And it's that kind of, sometimes to be good you have to be bad yeah and to be a good dad he has to be a bad dad now but someday tim will realize and appreciate it mm-hmm. because of course wiggly will be launching on black friday as if it is not bad enough already yeah so one of my favorite things is obviously tom has no idea what he's getting into he says his plan is to get there 10 minutes before they open. And I love that there's just this audience laugh like, ah, you have no idea, old man. And Paul and Emma basically tell him, like, you are screwed. You should have been queuing a week ago. Yeah. And then we get what Tim wants. Tim will get. Mm. It is a great song. His voice is gorgeous. I think this is a wonderful musical song. Yeah, it's cute, isn't it? Like, this is the only way this song could exist. You wouldn't buy a 
CD with this song. You know, if it was just like a straight CD on sure. like a pop. This is a musical theatre song. Mm-hmm. The likes of which we haven't seen Starkid do. You know, it feels like the most, we're going to write a musical here. It's just an absolutely incredible song. And he's just stationary the whole time, singing. And it ends as he's kind of parked up outside the mall. Mm-hmm. We meet Lex. Yeah, he says, can he please park? Is it okay for him to park here? And she's like, yeah, it's not like this sign that says no parking anytime means anything. I'm sure the loading trucks can just go somewhere else. Yeah, and he's like, well, if I get towed, I get towed. Yeah. Because what Tim wants, yeah. Tim will get. And then he realises that it's Lex, his, one of his former students, and he is disappointed to see that she's dropped out of school and is working in retail now. Oh, yeah, she's she's very angry at him because his family emergency meant that her school no longer had a shop teacher and shop was the only thing keeping her GPA up. And she's angry, she's bitter at it. Yeah, the school kicked her out because her GPA got too low. It is really, really unfair of her to, like, mock the family emergency because presumably they would know that his wife died. Well, she mentions it later on and I don't believe he tells her at any point. So So she does know that. Which, you know, but then she is, like, a teenager. Yeah, she's 16. Who obviously knew there was more to her life. And is angry because it's one person that she counted on because she's got an awful family. Yeah. Or an awful mother. Mm-hmm. Kind of let her down. We learn that she works at Toy Zone now. He's disappointed in her because she's smoking, she's drinking. Like, he saw potential in her. Mm-hmm. But the second Tom hears that she works in Toy Zone, he realises he can exploit this. And he's like, oh, hey... Can you do me a solid and could you put one of these wiggly dolls behind for me? She plays along and he doesn't detect her sarcasm. And then she says, well, she's going to be more responsible because people keep telling her she should be more responsible, like directly digging at him for being like, your life choices are bad. Yeah. And yeah, she's like, no, I will not do that because I'm not willing to lose my job for you. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice introduction to her character as well and their dynamic. Yep. Frank enters. Yep. I love his version of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's not an (laughs) official song, but I love the way he's like, money, money all for me. Yeah. This is Corey Doris, who we love in Trail to Oregon. Yep. And in... The guy who didn't like musicals. Yeah. He's really good. Because I felt really bad for him. Like his arc of... Yeah, I don't know why, and I don't know whether I read this somewhere or if I dreamt this, but I'm pretty sure at some point somebody said that the plot of Nerdy Prudes Must Die would follow his daughter. That'd be very cool. Like the kids at the high school. Yeah. And it was going to be like a Breakfast Club style, but with like otherworldly stuff going on. Which would be cool because it would be cool for him to be like a major character. Mm, yeah. Because we don't get enough of him in any of these things. No. He's great. Yeah. I mean, it is very, very interesting that we're in Hatchetfield and it's just completely different. And I like that angle of, you know, we'll talk alternate realities, but it is just Hatchetfield is always doomed to fall. Mm. And it doesn't matter. There'll always be something different in each dimension. It's quite cool. Yep. Well, it's not. 
so so the way that the Lords of Black work. So each Lord of Black is the one from the guy who didn't like musicals is Pocotho, or the singular voice. Yeah, is what his like Lord name is, and he is well. So they introduced the doll version of him in yes. Nightmare Time. Okay, but he is the cause of the guy who didn't like musicals. He's what caused the apotheosis. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And it's he, very cool. He's like a blue doll with like the blue ooze coming out of him. It's very cool. Now, I don't want to see like all different lords and I don't want like Hatchfield to be like six different ones. I think like a trilogy is great. Yeah, because they introduced the rest of them in... Nightmare Time. Yeah. Which I'm eager to start watching. Mm-hmm. And they brought back Mariah Rhys Faith to play Webby. Cool. Which is really cool. She's the witch in the web. Nice. She's like the lady of the lake, I guess, yeah. is like the best description of her. It's very cool. Nice. I I like this little bit of an exchange between Frank and Lex. You know, it is just boss dynamic, but again, it kind of is like talking about the stakes. Like he's like, I will fire you if you get these things wrong. You need this job. I know you need this job. It's like, yeah, you're not getting time and a half for this mm-hmm. because I know that what else do you have? So it is very, very good. We establish why. You know, like, he just wants capitalism. And that's important for how the rest of the plot is going along. He's like, I'm glad I can live in this world where I can rinse everyone and line my pockets. Yeah. We get creepy Joey Richter. He's this delivery man. He's Yeah, he's still Wiley. Yes, but we I, I didn't know he was Wiley specifically at this point. No, it's not till later on that you figure it out. Exactly. But he stays as that same character all the way through. Yeah, and the way he's like, hello, naughty list, is really gross. Mm-hmm. But he plays that really, he really well. So he's a great villain in this. Yep. I like that as Lex goes to open the wiggly box, mm-hmm. we get this ominous green light. Yes, it's really cool. You know, it's very otherworldly. It's, it, it's very much setting up there's something wrong here. Yep. And she's going to have a wiggly and she's going to steal a wiggly. And sell it. Yes. Enter Ethan. Yep. And again, they just talk about their plans. I go to California. Yes. And sell the doll for $7,000, which is insane. It is insane. I, I don't know what to say about Ethan. I feel like Ethan's the only character that's wasted and isn't developed because I never know if he's a nasty character or, like, a good character. Because he has moments where he's really nice to Hannah. And then he has moments where he's awful. I just could never get a handle on him. Yeah, he's described as, like, greaser boyfriend. Which yes. Is... I, I didn't know people could still be greasers. Oh, this, we still have greasers today. Day. Yeah, I thought that, that just made you a hipster now. No. Okay. I, I think... <laughs> well, so he... He fits perfectly into one of my favourite horror tropes, which is 20 minutes with arseholes. Yeah. And it's where you set up characters at the beginning that you're supposed to not really care about. You're not supposed to dislike them. Yeah. But you're not supposed to like them enough to care whether they live or not. Yeah. And he fits into that stereotype perfectly. So he's kind of nice sometimes, so we kind of care about him, but only in terms of Lex, because Lex is our final girl. Yeah. And, but we he's kind of mean enough to the point that if he does die, we'd be like, okay, good, we can move on with our lives. So when he does die, we're like, cool, 
death has happened. Moving on. Yeah. In that I'm... sort of horror movie way. But like the thing is, at least with those sort of characters, you know that they're the bad guys or you know that they're nasty and like they exist just to be the asshole. There are moments where he's nice here that he isn't always. And I, I'd say that's my... He's nice enough. It's my, my one critique of this is yeah. just... Ethan is a really weak character. Mm. And as a criticism goes, that's not bad for this two-hour, 20-minute musical. Yeah. Yeah, I I like this, this sequence here. We learn, obviously, that Hannah has an imaginary friend called Webby, but there is something there to it. And we go into California MIA. This is just angry teen music. It really feels like a Green Day or an MCR song, especially with like the guitar, which I loved. Mm-hmm. Like for me, like yeah. Give this me... gives me like you oughta know vibes. You what? Like jagged little pill, you oughta know. I don't know that one, so You Okay. You know the song You Oughta Know? Nope. By Alanis Morissette. Nope. Okay. You would if I played it to you. <laughs> but it's very like Avril Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> angsty teen music, yeah. but it fits really well for these characters, mm. and I liked it so much. <laughs> I love that this song ends with Hannah copying the motions that yes. they're making. Yeah, Hannah's and, bopping is great, and yeah. like Lex being all like angry because she's doing the smoky thing. Mm-hmm. That... And that when she turns around to when Lex turns around to Hannah, she's like, "That'd better be floss." <laughs> yeah, I thought that joke was Incredible. fantastic. So they hide Wiggly inside Lex's backpack and they give it to Hannah. Hannah is struggling with this and this is where we get the talk of the magic hat. And you're like, oh, okay, Ethan's actually quite nice because mm-hmm. like, he's giving her the strength to do this. They're going to escape Hatch if the plan is they're going to leave. Instead, I'm like, okay, good luck with that. We go outside the store yeah, and we have posh Lauren Lopez. Yes, we meet Linda. Which is her main character for this. Yeah, and this is such a great character for Lauren Lopez. <sighs> I saw a quote from a fan yeah. that said that this show is just an excuse for everyone to act as crazy as Jeff Blim does. Yes. And it's so true. But in the same way, they're crazy as Jeff Blim is, mm-hmm. but without going too overboard with it. Yeah. They still feel like well-rounded, developed characters. And again, I would say that this is a career best for Lauren Lopez. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's obviously fantastic to see her in Trail to Oregon. Yeah. She is great in that. And I think she was fantastic in Starship. And I really liked her in Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals. But again, with this, there's this silly, crazy character, this really good villain... Yeah, but there's also a real maturity to it. There's nice flourishes, but she's not rolling around on the floor anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see where she has grown as a performer, and she can still get these great laughs whilst being a fully rounded character now. Yeah, it's just so nice to see. I really liked Linda. We've got this socialite character. It's so funny that she just comes in and bribes her way to the front of the queue yeah and people get really angry when they hear that she plans to buy four she's like well it's just one there's one person backing my message because when did i say i was buying one wiggly i'm buying four Mm -hmm. everyone gets angry 
Becky calls her out and I really love this exchange between Becky and Linda. Like, you know there's history here. Yeah, and Linda's really mean to her for seemingly no reason. We never get any backstory other than that they were at school together. Yeah. Like, all of them were at the same time. And obviously everyone still lives here. But they don't get on. Becky was, like, the head cheerleader. So it's possible that Linda was, like... It's jealousy. Another cheerleader. Yeah. They, they have that vibe. So... Yeah, she says some really harsh stuff to her and everyone seems to think that Becky's husband ran off with another woman. Yes. Yeah, because she's basically acts like Linda's at fault for being in an abusive marriage. Becky? Yeah. Linda the, acts like Becky's at fault. Yeah. Yeah. And it is just like nasty. And it's a really good job at setting up a character you don't like. And this is one where you're like, I hope they get the comeuppance. You know when you're like 15 minutes with assholes, This is the one I want to see die. Yeah. You know, it's really, Well, she really has some really, really mean lines to Becky all the way through this yes. show. Because there's a bit later on where she says, oh, you're so obsessed with having to save children all the time because you can't have any of your own. Yeah. Which is like, harsh. Jeez. And that, you know, it doesn't really get picked up on much more. No, because when she says that line, Becky's unconscious. Yeah. So well, it's like a... Yeah, exactly. Throw away. But... It's just, it's so nice because you've got these polar opposites. You've got mm-hmm. Becky, who is there, just trying to get a wiggly doll for the kids on her clinic. Because she's a nurse. She works with pediatrics. Like, it's a really noble thing she's doing. Yeah. And then you've got Linda, who couldn't even be bothered to get up for her children. Two of which might not be, you know, from her actual husband, Gerald. Yeah. And she will just buy her way to the front and she'll buy four. I love Gerald. He's never in the show. Yes. We never see him. We learn things about him only via his phone conversations with Linda. Like and his I love think of he's Cinnabon. hilarious. Yeah, I think He's not so. allowed within 50 feet of a Cinnabon. Yeah, I think it's great. And, you, you know, again, really good writing that you get a sense of a character without ever meeting them. Tom starts pushing his way to the front of the line, desperate to get in. Uh, doesn't really understand what's going on. But gets quite lucky when he meets Becky and people just seem to let him in the line because it's like, oh, it's Tom and Becky. And we get, what do you say? We're talking about like their love interest and we know that they used to be together. I love like the gossiping vibe of this. You know, that people are like, did you hear the story? Did you hear the news? Like, mm-hmm. and they're showing all, all this gossip back together. And their awkward flirting with each other is really endearing as well. Yeah. But this is where we first really get to know Sherman Young. Mm-hmm. And we see Jamie Lynn Betty with this really, like, great voice. And again, this character is very, very over the top and plays to her strength as this excellent comedian. Yeah. Without ever going too far into the realms of this is absurd and stupid and just the jokes wore thin, mm-hmm. you know, which can happen with shows like this she's a very stylized character here she plays it so well yeah like again another career best i think and that's Mm -hmm. saying something because i always like jamie lynn betty yeah this is also where we see my favorite character for the first time the man in a hurry yes (laughs) he's in the queue i love this this is a stupid little joke (laughs) that is just over and over again his name is barry swift yes 
but he is referred to as the man in a hurry because when he first showed up in Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, he was accosted by the Greenpeace girl, Mororo's Faith, and he said, sorry, I'm in a hurry. Yes. And then he leaves. And then he's in this one again. So when he steps forward in a minute and says, I'm in a hurry. It's (laughs) great. It's just the same character. This show does a really good job at reprising moments from the previous one, like to great Mm -hmm. applause and love from the audience yeah without it becoming too obvious you know mm-hmm. i especially love in this bit that jeff blim does just go back to twisted he pulls an aladdin and he does steal thunder in scenes yeah <laughs> which is fantastic mm-hmm. becky admits that she does miss paul but they can't really go on with it because frank shows up and we get our doors are open He's saying, stay in line for a wiggly. You know, you can go in, browse our stuff. But if you want a wiggly, they're all behind the checkout. You have to stay in line and we will serve you on a first come, first serve basis. Yep. And Sherman immediately tries to buy all of them. Yes. I really like the description on Wikipedia of Sherman, Mm -hmm. which is middle-aged toy collector and presumed sexual deviant. Yep. Yes. So what I like in this is you've got the bop de bop in like the background of the song, which is very like Grease or, you know, shadow. This is, um, shop shadow. Every time I listen to this song, I start humming along, except I'm humming Beauty School Dropout. Yeah. Because that's what it is. It's Beauty School Dropout. That's what I mean. Is it, it very much, you can hear the Grease in the Little Shop of Horrors. And yes, Sherman wants to buy all 850 Wigglies. And I especially love Linda's reaction because, like, here's Linda, who's just going to inconvenience three Four other people, kids, yeah. you know? And then her reaction is like, but you can't do that. It should be one per person, with some exceptions made. Yeah. And one of my favourite bits is, so so Sherman says, one will stay in a box for prosperity. And one will be for bath times. Yes. <laughs> And one will be for kissing and one will be for touching him. I will tickle one doll and one doll will tickle me. Mm. It's a really nice moment. Again, doesn't go too over the top. And it just says a lot about this character instantly. (laughs) One of my favourite bits as well is we meet the lawyer character. I can't remember his name. Was it Gary? What was his surname? Goldstein. And he's like, oh, I'll represent you in this case. I'll be your lawyer. And, you know, screws over Linda because, you know, Linda's like, I'll hire you. And he says, well, you can't do this. Supply and demand. This isn't acceptable. Yeah. So they go, okay, strictly one per customer. So the lawyer screws over Linda. She's just not having a good day. And you're kind of like, yeah, ah, you deserve this. Yep. And then... Because everyone's getting panicked, Jeff Blim starts a bidding war. He shouts, I will give you 400 I'm in a hurry. I'll give you $500 yeah. for a Wiggly doll. And Frank is like, loses yes. his mind immediately. Yeah. And then other characters are like, that's not how consumerism works. <laughs> like, there's a set price for a Wiggly doll. And he's like, yeah, but this is supply and demand, which is illegal. But, yeah. you know, he's the only place in Hatchetfield selling these. And Hatchetfield is like the middle of nowhere town USA. Mm-hmm. So who's who cares? Like, he knows he's got his commodity. Yeah. And yeah, not only does Jeff Blim start a bid in war, he also starts, feast or famine, a riot. Yes. 
they become a wiggly mob. Yes. I really love the repetition of it's mine, it's mine, and the repetition and the, the passing of the torch with it's mine. This choreography is great. I think this song is sci-fi sometime. Yeah. Because, like, the lyrics are very much like, this is, you know, uh, well, it's your fault then. Yes, it's your fault mm-hmm. from Into the Woods. But yes. sci-fi twist. Mm-hmm. And again, really nice that there's so much, like, references to musicals in this one. Which is appropriate for the guy who didn't like musical series. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, Frank... Gets his comeuppance for the whole supply and demand thing. Mm-hmm. The customers surround him and they all kind of like knock him out. And he doesn't die at this point. Frank? Yeah. No. Cool. Yeah, they, they knock him He just him gets out. knocked out and they just sort of leave him where he is. Yeah. And then we cut to the simplex. Ethan and Hannah have no idea what's going on. They're just in the mall waiting for Lex to finish. Mm-hmm. Her shift. So they're going to go see Santa Claus is going to high school. Yes. And that sounds the like best Christmas movie absolute ever. Absolute romp. But more on that very, very shortly. Mm-hmm. I love Joey Richter's high school character here when he's like, you know, at the, the kiosk. He's some little nerd that works at the... Well, hello there, sir. You know, like, he's got that high-pitched voice. Mm-hmm. And Ethan's like, I'll give you this much. And he goes, well, I don't really set the prices, sir. It's not how this works. I'm not letting you in. Yep. And then, you know, like, Ethan grabs him and it's like, you're going to let me in, man, or else? And the security arrives and they go to take Ethan. But they're aware of this toy zone riot. So they scarper yes. and Ethan gets away with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm still at this point where I'm like, I can't get a handle on him. Should I like him or not? But it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he falls into that, like... I know he's a greaser character, but he falls into the the Danny Zuko zone yeah. of like, this guy sucks, but we're also supposed to like him. So occasionally they'll give him like nice, likable things to do. Yeah. I mean, Ethan doesn't suck as much as Danny Zuko does, but you know. No, but you know, just as I'm like, what do I think about him? These rage zombies come in mm-hmm. and they kill Ethan, you know, and they're like, oh, what a waste. He didn't even have a doll. And you can see, like, this is the power that Wiggly is having on them. That they're no longer in control of their senses. This isn't just a riot for the hottest toy. Yeah, so he sends Hannah away. He tells Hannah to go and hide in the play place. And he attempts to fight off the mob. And then they beat him to death. Yeah, quite violently as well. Mm-hmm. They they dash off and... It's never really addressed. So Becky runs in with a doll. Yes. They attempt to rush her. To get the doll. Yeah. And then Tom steps up and defends her. Gets stabbed. And gets stabbed. And the guy takes the Wiggly doll. But we've had one bit where Becky says the reason she's trying to get a doll is because a girl at the hospital who is blind, I believe she said. Yeah. Really wants one. That's all she wants for Christmas. And we never address ever again that storyline. No. And it's never brought up, even in terms of at the end, where we learn that actually no kids want this doll. Like, nobody's asking for it for Christmas. It's all adults. Yeah. Well, then why was she here? 
Because she's an adult with holes to fill. No, I know, but... Yeah. No, but that's what the point is. Like, adults have, like, disappointments and they have, like, holes in their heart that need to be filled. Okay. It's your brain. <laughs> Becky definitely has holes to fill. Yeah. In a cinema. And more on that in a bit anyway. But yes, so Tom gets stabbed and Jeff Blim, who has stabbed Tom, runs off with the doll. Yeah. And then we never see him again, presumably, because it's a different character. Yeah, so that isn't the man in a hurry. It's just a random man. He has his own name. So man in a hurry is Barry Swift. Yes. Not to be confused with rude customer. (laughs) Fair enough. Also known as Coffee Jerk, because he's also in Hatchetfield. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We then see Linda, who's like all struggling, and she's being stalked by Jerry Richter. Mm-hmm. And it's the same delivery man, but we sense that there's more to him. He says that he knows what's going on with Wiggly. We get a sense he's behind the Wiggly cult. Yeah. And he says that he will help make Linda adored and worship. She just has to do what she does best. Yes. She says, shop. And he says, no. No. You must be a mother. Yeah. Because he wants her to basically birth Wiggly. Yeah, which is a distressing thought. It really is, but, you know, I could be powerful. I can be adored. Yes, please. Mm -hmm. Linda says yes. That's what she wants. She wants people to unquestioningly adore her. Yes. And we then leave Hatchetfield. Mm -hmm. And we go to the Oval Office and we hear that New York is also reporting violent riots across the nation. That this isn't just isolated to Hatchetfield like it was in the guy who didn't like musicals. Yeah. Because that alien menace, that invasion of the body snatchers was only happening in Hatchetfield. So what they had to do, like the bridge was shut off, no one could get in or out. Yeah. They were on their own and they were going to nuke it. Yeah, whereas this time it's everywhere, it's just that the birth is going to happen in, in Hatchetfield. Hatchetfield. Yes. And we meet the president, Howard Goodman, and his cabinet, and they're trying to decide what they should do. And he's shocked that it's all over a toy. Mm-hmm. And I like it that as they have a Wiggly, the cabinet starts to fall to Wiggly's charms and they start getting angry as well. Uh, I really love <laughs> the really sinister Carol of the Bells that we're getting in the background. The da 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 I love that song and I think it's the perfect accompaniment to this. Everybody starts losing their minds over the Wiggly doll. Until the peeps arrive. Bang, bang. They shoot the Wiggly doll and destroy it. I was trying to figure out, and I I do this all the time, how many Wigglies they had in this show. Yeah. And I think it's three, not including the one that gets shot that's a destroyed Wiggly. Because the one that he shoots here has, has been like ripped apart a bit. Yeah. It must have like a blank or something in it that it must just go off. No, it... There's two. Somebody took the other. Oh, one okay. And hid well, it. That, that would be obvious, wouldn't it? That would be much easier. Here's me trying to think, like, oh wow, how do they do that? Yeah. Obviously. No, they just swap it for a good yeah. one. Yeah. So they have that one. It explodes. But then obviously they sold Wiggly dolls. So oh, we see like three or four at points, and so they they must have quite a few. Not all at the same time, though. Yeah, there seems to be like three people holding Wigglies. Yeah, that's why I think it's three. That's because that's the most I counted yeah, but... in any one scene. Yeah. Yes, so we have 
the return of General John McNamara. McNamara, yeah. You know, of Peep. Yes. The same agency from Guy Who Didn't Like Musicals, they investigate the paranormal, extraterrestrial and interdimensional threats. Yes. And they've discovered that the Wigglies are more sinister. I like the way he says... I hope you didn't mind me letting myself in. The to prison. the Oval Office? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? And then, you know, he says, just me and my peeps. Mm-hmm. That was a joke, sir. I really liked it. And and his return so far, there's only been two big, big cheers, big, big moments like that. It's Emma and Paul. And this moment here where he shows up and everyone's like losing their minds. Cause, Yay, he's back. Yeah. It is... <laughs> it's the same reaction I had when watching the first trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And you have Doc Ock show up and I'm just like, ah! <laughs> you know, like that's exactly what this is. And yeah, I I love the way he sings Monsters and Men. It's a very different song for his voice. Yeah. And it shows his range. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was fantastic because we're used to Jeff Blim doing like these really upbeat comical numbers. And this is a very serious number. Yeah. This, is, this really is the Empire Strikes Back of like the trilogy. Yeah, it really is. You know, like you've got the first one, which is kind of a bit more fun. This one feels a lot bleaker. And they've adapted the songs to sound bleaker. And this yeah. is a great way to end Act One. Like, I can't believe how quickly it flew by. I'm like, Oh, we're at the interval. This felt like an interval song, but can't be there yet. It can't be time for the interval. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really, really fun first act. What do we come back with? We come back with the best Christmas movie of all time. Yes. Santa Claus is going to high school with the kids singing Deck the Halls of Northville High with some of my favourite choreography from this yes. show because it all feels like high school musical ripoff. It is. Now, here's the funny thing. It is not explicitly clear... That we're watching a film. We're watching a film. It could just be we're set somewhere else within Hatchet Field. And I said to you, uh, is that Jock Santa Claus? Because the back He's of his letterman a, a says... a letterman that says Chris Kringle, yeah. Yeah, Kringle 25, which great, fantastic. I I like the way you go, Jingle Jangle. That was a fun uh, Christmas movie last year. Fun little musical. Jingle Jangle, yeah. I want to watch that one again. Yes, I'm glad that I figured it out. And I really desperately want this film to be real. The moment where you learn that it is actually a film, mm-hmm. you know, and you cut into the cinema and they've all left the stage and you just hear bits of them playing like, oh my God, it was the movie within the play. That's really cool. Yes. You know, I, I want... I want a film where Santa goes undercover to high school to like reinstill Christmas spirit or even just a TV show like Riverdale where it's like, you know, Santa in high school meets the Easter Bunny and there's a tooth fairy. I wouldn't wear it as a t-shirt. I know you wouldn't wear it as a t-shirt. I think it's funny. I'd rather have the Letterman jacket, to be honest. Yeah, they don't do the Letterman jacket. This is also a really good example of a Christmas musical song. You know, like we had it last year with It's That Time of Year. Yes. You know, it's tongue in cheek, but it would be added to my Christmas playlist. 
Yeah. In the same way, like, what a what time to be alive from Anna and the Apocalypse is very Michael Bublé. Yeah. You know, it's an in-universe Christmas song, mm-hmm. but it works. And in the same way with Mean Girls, Rocking Around the Pole, it's an in-universe song that exists. Yeah. But it fits perfectly. Mm-hmm. Not enough musicals have that with Christmas songs. You know, we've seen times where they have, like, Christmas, but, like, they just use real songs. Yeah. Or... What a perfect time for me to talk about my favourite Christmas movies. Go for it. So, Netflix has a series called The Christmas Prince. It's a trilogy. They're not doing another one. I wish they would, though. No, but Christmas Switch just came out the other day. That's That's got to be... No, that will now be a trilogy. Yeah, it is. The third yeah, one just came out. Yeah, this is the third one. So if they don't do another Christmas Prince, but they do do another Christmas Switch, I'm going to be really mad because Christmas Prince movies were incredible, mostly for the fact that there are no real Christmas songs in it. We talked about this last year. I know, and I'm going to talk about it every year because it baffles me. All of the songs sound like Christ- yeah. like existing Christmas songs, but they're not. Yeah. And it's great. We had off-brand uh, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah. I remember that. It's yeah. It's just so and funny. It's so bizarre. Even, there's even bits where people are playing Christmas carols in the background and they're playing the tune of a Christmas carol. And then when people join in singing, they sing something else. And you're yeah. just like, what is happening? Well, this is the thing, though, with this, is what they do really well is not only do they create their own element, but they reference things. We get, like, Hark the Herald Angels sing. Yeah. But you also get the here the deck, the halls, and the fa-la-la-la-la as like a little bit of a reprise. And, you know, like we still get the references to the real Christmas songs. Yeah. And that's fun. I really liked this. And yes, we realise we're just watching the movie in the Cineplex. Tom and Becky accidentally went to their old Cineplex seats from when they were, you know, dating as teenagers. What did they carve into the seat in front of their seats? Well, it could be mistaken for a heart, but it was actually a penis. It was indeed. Because that's the graffiti that everyone does as a teenager, apparently. Mm. But yes, uh, this is a really, really beautiful sequence. Yep. You know, we learn about Tom's guilt. Like, he says, I feel responsible for my wife's death because I was driving. And had she been driving she'd have stopped and she'd be alive and we'd both be happy right now. Yeah. And I love this bit, but oh my God, this performance from Becky, she's amazing. And she's new as well. Mm-hmm. Was she the one that was supposed to be in it and then was in Mean Girls? So was that supposed to be her character? No, Mariah's Faith was supposed to play Lex. Okay. And then couldn't. But yeah, she would have been good as this character too. I, yeah, no, I just wondered, but like... Becky's moment here is fantastic. Yeah, so Kim Whalen is amazing. She is married to Kurt Mega, who is President Goodman, who is Nick Warbler from Glee. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I know that his real name is Kurt Mega, but I can't call him anything other than Nick Warbler. So, no. It's like how in Glee everyone calls Blaine Blaine Warbler. Kurt Mega like, is a pretty awesome Kurt name. Kurt a great name. You know, like, yeah. that's got to be a stage name. It's a very cool name. But, like, you yeah, can also... I now have to find out whether or not but that's his real name. Sh- this performance from her is so good. Because there's such, like, raw vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we learn just how rough she's had it. Yeah. That, you know, she says that she wanted to go to the funeral. So she says, first of things first, that when he signed up to join the army, 
She had every intention of waiting for him, but she met Stanley. And, you know, it was all well and good. They'd go out, they'd party, she'd get drunk, but whatever. They'd go to the beach and she'd flirt with other men and Stanley would show up and he'd beat these other men up and drag her out. And this is where he started to get abusive. Yeah. And ended up, like, getting married and being trapped. And she says how she really wanted to go to Jane's funeral. Mm. But Stanley would not allow it because of her history with Tom. Yes. And... We learned that during one fight one day, she fought back. And she ran away into the woods. He bought a knife and she happened to disarm it. And because she's a nurse, she knew... knows where his femoral artery is. And she doesn't know if he survived. She just left him. He could have wandered off and healed. But... I'm not going to lie. I feel like everybody knows where the femoral artery is. I don't. Okay. I, Good. But so I thought this sequence was really well performed. It was so intense, but so raw. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, Stark could have never done this. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that she's like, so you, I, you have, what does she say to him? That she basically is like. She's like, you have to forgive yourself. Because if you can't, I can never forgive myself. Yeah. If, if you can let everybody else forgive you, then. Like, if you can't convince people to forgive you, then how am I ever going to get yeah. any forgiveness? And it is completely understandable because, like, she's a, she's murdered someone, but, like... Not necessarily. Well, not necessarily, but in the same way that... Yeah. You know, he deserved it. Like, you, you can't blame her. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. You know, exactly, but there's that guilt of, I did this and I shouldn't have done this, but it's like... You know, you looked after yourself. But it it leads into, I think, one of the most beautiful songs when we have Take Me Back. Mm -hmm. It's just gorgeous. And I loved it. We get all the talk of alternate realities. And there must be, in the third one, these two will already be a couple. They'll have never split up. In Nerdy Prudes Must Die, these two are already going to be together, if they're in it. Maybe, because if it is set... In the high school, maybe he'll be a teacher still. He'll still be the teacher. Or she'll be... Well, she she only became a nurse because her husband made her. Yes. So maybe she'd also be a teacher or like the gym coach or something. That would be cool. They will be together in this universe. Yes. I... (laughs) The moment when they kiss is great. Like, there's a real like, yes moment. Like, it's really, really nice. (laughs) Because all of the cast of... Santa Claus is going to high school. Yeah, Santa Claus is going to high school... Oh, in the background singing. Yeah. Which is great. But no, but it is a really triumphant moment. You feel like, yeah, you, you said to me, this is the anniversary of his wife's death. It's like, Oh no, I was wrong though. Okay. Because she died on Christmas Day. Okay, but it's not even been a year. Yeah. This is their first Christmas. Mm-hmm. But I'd said to you, granted, if this was some random girl, that's not acceptable. But this you is a un-pause. girl. unpause. Yeah, like you unpause. This isn't. You know, to, to, to talk how I met your mother. Mm-hmm. This isn't a girl he's just met. This is a girl he has a very serious history with. And they can't start from scratch. If they're going to get back together, everything has to be valid before. So at least these two characters are intrinsically linked before this point. It doesn't feel like, oh, well, he's forgotten about his dead wife. It feels like I could buy this character doing that. They end this song by seriously getting down. Mm-hmm. Repeating their teenage frolics. 
Uh, they do say that they've never done that before. Oh, do they? Yeah. But my favourite bit is that they are having sex in the movie theatre and Tom like pokes his head up above the chairs and watches the end of the movie where Santa proves to Noelle... To Jamie Lynn Betty. Yeah, that that he actually is Santa. She's like, tell me something only Santa would know. And he's tell like, me what I... I asked for for my seventh birthday. And he's like, I can't. I knew it. I knew you weren't Santa. You asked for a red tricycle. And she's like, Santa! It is you, Santa. And then they make out, obviously. But like, way passionate make out. Yeah. It's the one moment where she's really like Jamie Lynn Betty of past. We're like really, really over the top comedy, but it's appropriate for this. And then we cut back down to Tom and Becky and Tom's watching the movie and he goes, this is the best film ever. I was like, I would simply say this. Star Kid, I know you're listening. Please, please, please do a full musical of Santa Claus is going to high school. And film it in the style of high school musical. Like, please, please, please. I want that. The whole two and a half hour thing has to happen. Please and thank you. So we now cut back to the Peep headquarters. Mm -hmm. And we get all this exposition about how Wiggly rules the black and white and is breaking through dimensions. So far as they know. So far as they know. That they'd sent in a man before, and he came out corrupted, and that is... Uncle Wiley. Uncle Wiley. Wiley Cross, yes. So that is this man that is recruiting people in the mall. He's working as an agent of Wiggly. Yeah, he's also the guy in the Wiggly adverts. Yes. And they have a plan. They want to send the president, the most important man in America into the black and white to negotiate a peace treaty. And In fairness, that's his job. Yes, I would agree. However... In the same way that in, like, alien movies, it's always the president that has to talk to the aliens. However, nobody ever sends the president into the aliens. But that's ship. what I mean, is at this point, it's very much like, is that his job? He's, like, one of the most important men and you're just going to send him where he could completely die. You know that this other man came out completely corrupted. What if your president gets corrupted? I think their thought is like, okay, this guy was just a guy. Yeah. Like, as much as he did want to save the planet, he could be corrupted. You're the president. Your job is to be uncorrupted. Yes. But I like it. So when we hear this plan... <laughs> the president is like, no. Yes. No. But I like that. I, I really home. love the way Jeff Blim delivers these lines as his character. He's so calm, cool, collected. And like the way he's like, in essence, we're trying to stop the birth of a god. Yeah. Like, it's really like. World War Three. The stakes here are massive. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. He, he, you know, the president agrees. We learn that they have a nuclear bomb in worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. If he fails. He doesn't really want to do it, but the the only reason he does is because they tell him it's going to be much, much worse if the Wiggly cult build him a birth canal yes. for him to come through another portal. Yes, and as if on cue, we go back into the mall mm-hmm. and we see Sherman leading a sermon, celebrating Wiggly's prophet, chosen prophet. Yes, Linda. I really love this character again, like, it's so well done and it's so sinister. Like all of these characters now become really, really sinister and like their mannerisms are just unnerving because they're off. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, Linda is the divine prophet of this new religion. It's not a cult. Yeah. And she wants a wiggly. And she still manages to say maybe four. And I'm thinking, are you are you just faking this at this point? Or are you genuinely like, I will lead this cult? Yeah, no, she's into it. Yeah, she is into it. And Frank is being held hostage. Frank is like, I can get you some. I can speak to the merchandisers. And she's like, no one from the merchandisers. There's one here. And I want that one. And she has a Stanley knife. And she just stabs Frank and kills him. Yes. And he, I think this is the only time they've ever actually had a blood pellet on stage yes. for anyone. Because Corey Doris bursts a blood pellet yes. and it goes all over him. And it's very dramatic. It is very, very dramatic. And it works. But again, it's it's in keeping with the tone here. This isn't played for laughs. Yeah. This is a very real moment. And <laughs> the security officer comes out and is like, we've got it on CCTV. Lex stole a wiggly. Yep. Go find... Put it in the backpack of a child with yes. pigtails and a baseball cap. Go find the girl. And we get Adore Me. Perhaps the best bit of this song is Joey Richter kissing Lauren Lopez's toes. Well, that and during this song, there's a couple of lifts... Yes. In the choreography, Lauren and Robert, who played Ethan earlier yes. on, they had to skip some of the big dances because they were ill, basically. Oh, no. And so they would perform the show, but they wouldn't be able to do like the big dance yes. numbers, which meant that James Tolbert had to do a bunch of the dances himself, yeah. including some of the lifts. He just did them by himself. Jeez. Instead of having two of them lifting people, yeah. he would just do it. Wow. Which is really cool. The fans really went wild for like the lifts. Yeah. I just, this was a really nice moment again. And, and the poise and the demeanour of Lauren Lopez here is great. Mm-hmm. She has the odd moment where she's like on the stairs and she's like in a Marilyn Monroe-esque pose. Yeah. And it's just so nice because you see like she is just soaking in this adulation. Great, really love this number. We now go back to Hannah. She is lost and she's scared and she's hiding in the mall. She's in the play area. Yes. So this whole scene takes place inside the play area with them trying to like climb around yeah. and find where Hannah's got to. But she, even Hannah keeps getting turned around. Yeah, which lost. is really, really well done. Yeah. I like the fact that we see like Ethan's ghost. And he's all, like, really sinister. Yeah, this is very it. Yeah, and he is really unsettling. Like, this is a great performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, this is is the power of the black and white, that Wiggly can kind of command visions of people. Well, it helps that... um... Hannah's connected. Yeah, Hannah's already connected to the black and white via Webby. Yeah. Which is great because when Hannah realises that it's Wiggly that's talking and she starts talking directly to the doll, yeah. she says, Webby told me about you. She told me that you're bad. And Wiggly's like, what? Webby is a stupid bitch. Yeah. Which I is hilarious. I really like the moments where they are working with the doll mm-hmm. and like the commitment to it. That could come across so silly, but it doesn't. You know, they will really commit. And like, yeah, especially Hannah. Like, she's tearful. She's screaming. She's terrified and you believe it yeah it's such a great performance and then oh this bit breaks my heart tom and becky show up yep but they're influenced by wiggly because they're now broken the last time we saw them they were getting down they were happy we just had this really really lovely number with take me back and now we don't even see what's happening we just see that they are fully corrupted and they are stalking Hannah, and it's terrifying because i like these characters i don't want to see them be bad 
I don't want to see them get hurt. I don't want to see Hannah get hurt. Mm-hmm. But we have this really great number in Do You Want to Play? Because it is characters we want to do well who've managed to escape so far unscathed. And you mm-hmm. see them like, do you want to play? Do you want to play? Which I know is just to be more chill. but like, <laughs> Yeah, that's what you were saying. I was trying to figure it out. But like, it is just that kind of slope. And it is so, oh, terrifying. And they eventually grab Hannah and they're holding her down. And Becky's got this needle. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she manages to stab herself. I'm not quite sure. It's just sort of supposed to be like an awkward angle. She goes yeah. to stab Hannah and just misses and hits yes, her. Yes, and she, you know, is like being put under by this like anesthetic. Tom gets wiggly and he abandons Becky. And Becky goes to sleep. And then the followers show up. Yeah. And they think Becky is protecting this girl. So let's take her back to the prophet. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to Peep. Yes. As the president enters the portal. In his great costume. Oh, I love the costume. I love when he steps through the portal. All he gets is this green light. It feels He's like holding a... like a, a light pad. It's very cool. Yeah. It does. Again, it feels otherworldly. You feel like there's been a change. You, all he's done is step forward. But you feel the change. Yeah. And he bumps into this mysterious delivery man. Will the Cross. Yes. And, yeah. Again... <sighs> The looks on Joey Richter's face. Because he's quite a cuddly character usually in other shows. Like even when he's the Bandit King. He's not scary as the Bandit King. But like No, the Bandit King is supposed to be comedic. Yes. But that's because he's a child kidnapper. Yeah. But like to see Joey Richter, who is lovable. Be like unsettling. Yeah. yeah. It's I I think that that's what really makes it scary, is it's like what Star could have done is really clever is they know who their audience are yeah and they know what their audience think of them and they are playing a lot of their actors against type yeah and it works to great effect because you have jerry richter doing this number and looking terrifying and you feel like anything could happen in this world mm-hmm. he um is eating an apple for the majority of this scene. Yes, he is. And then as the song Made in America starts, he turns to an audience member and says, can you hold this for me? And it's got like a big bite out of it yeah. and he hands it to them. And for the rest of the show, whoever he hands it to just has to hold it. I wonder if they Except get it signed. Except for uh, Kim Whalen's dad yes. who ate it. <laughs> like, Good for you, my dude. Oh, free food. Yep. You look like free food. <laughs> I really like this. So, like, Jeff Blim, General John, is like, something's wrong. I'm going in. But we, we learn that only in America could Wiggly take root because America worships consumerism. Yeah. And, you know, it's their culture of capitalism that allowed this to happen. And... Like, there's some nice moments in this. Like, he conducts the sniggles. And the way they make Wiggly is really cool. Like, we see the silhouette. Like, the tinsel becomes, like, the the teeth on on the doll that we see. Mm -hmm. And, like, their hands, because they've got, like, their Wiggly stuff. It becomes, and you get these two big spotlights. And it's so intimidating and so scary and so well realised. And Wiggly's, like... I assume going to kill the president at this point. Yeah. Or 
I, I think Wigley knows what's going to happen. Wigley, this is all part of his plan. He's not going to kill the president, but he's hoping someone will get the president out of there. Mm-hmm. Because for the next part of his plan to happen, he needs the president alive. John saves the day. He shows up. He helps him escape. He gives his life. He came in without a spacesuit. He is going to dematerialize. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad when like, he dies. He salutes the president. And we get the end of Made in America. Fortunately, the good thing is the black and white is exactly what it sounds like. Yes. There are only the two like polar opposites of things in there. So Wiggly is the evil side of it. He is the villain and he is all things that are evil. Consumerism. Yeah. <laughs> and McNamara is here to be the hero. So he is dematerializing, but his good energy stays in the black and white. Yeah, which is very, very cool. So the second the president shows back up, he he demands... He's like, nuke them. Nuke them, because he's seen the true face of Wiggly. Mm-hmm. He knows what they're up against. Yeah. And we don't hear anything explode. And this is when they receive news that a bomb has exploded... In Moscow. Wiggly is Moscow's like, has been destroyed. Yeah, Wiggly's like, ah ha ha. I oh, know what a shame it my friendly wins. <laughs> it will show up somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, it's Moscow. Uh-oh, of all the places for America to accidentally nuke. Mm. And we learn Well, they say that. They learn that uh Cross told the Russians about what was happening in America and that America were trying to take this cosmic power for themselves. So of course Russia create their own portal mm-hmm. which Wiggly's aware of and just sends a nuke through and destroys it and they have started World War Three. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and then we cut back to them all because now Lex is being held hostage by Sherman and Lex is trying to survive. It's like, you, you know, it's like, why do I deserve to die? Because you work in retail. It's like, yes, but I've often done you favours. What about all those ponies? And I write down, of course, Sherman is a brony. Like, of course he would be. Card-carrying member. I know they say ponies, but it's obvious what they're going for. There's a difference between being a brony and him. Like, he's a collector. He's, like, one of the proper... Yeah. He's one of the guys... That would have collected first gen ponies. You know, he's not here for this see, like Gen Four nonsense. You know more, like well, squishy. You know more about bronies than me. You yep. you watch the YouTube stuff. Who's the YouTuber you really like? Jenny does, Nicholson yeah. has a whole video talking about bronies, and bronies notoriously hate generations one and two of My Little Pony. Yeah. this guy is the kind of guy that would love generations. But then why one is he two? excited by the generations that she has now? Which wouldn't be he's Gen not, 1 and 2. He's excited by the prospect of old ones that they just have in storage because they're misprints oh. that are suddenly yes. worth way more money. Yeah, but my point is, Lex hasn't been working here long. She said she's been here for two years. Okay, but in those two years, the ponies that she sold him aren't going to be Gen 1 and 2 ones. They are going to be the newer stuff. Not necessarily. Either the way... Pop Funkos are making versions of Gen 1 and 2 at the moment. Like... Fair enough. I know an unreasonable amount. I'm not into My Little Pony. I was when I was a kid. Yeah. Not anymore. Well, But I know a stupid amount of it just because of Jenny Nicholson. Yes. Lex promises him the mispaints for safety. Mm-hmm. He lets her go and she reveals she threw them in the trash. She nearly they gets away. They never had any. She just says it to be mean. Yeah. Like, 
and basically triggers him to go full like that's it, I'm just going to kill you now. Yeah. We get Black Friday. And this is like her dying moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really nice the way that they do this where she sort of steps away from her own body. Yeah, because you have Jamie Lynn Betty frozen right up until mm-hmm. the end of the song, which is great. But we start Black Friday with, is this what I lived for to be killed in a toy store? Yeah, choked in a toy store. Yeah, like that's sad. And this is a really like powerful dirge. Like she's lamenting her life. Yeah. And what could have been, and it's missed opportunities. And I just feel so bad for this character who could be so much more. Mm-hmm. And she's just about to be choked to death when who appears to the, one of the biggest cheers. Yeah, McNamara shows back up. Yes. In his like turtle of enormous girth moment. Yes. And we get, I think this is another moment where we get like the audience have got something they want mm. because he says, I'm authorizing you to use my firearm, which is a callback, obviously, to the guy who did like musicals and the crowd erupts. Mm. Yeah. Like, they're not doing too much to specifically reference and call back to guy who did like musicals, which is to the benefit of this show. Yeah. It's a really clever sequel. Mm. So. Lex has the same psychic ability that Hannah has, except that when Lex was a kid, she thought Webby was her imaginary friend. Yes. And when she had to start taking care of Hannah, she put aside all her childish things. So she just decided she didn't believe in Webby anymore. Yeah. And then Webby moved on to Hannah. Yes. So it's Lex's fault that Hannah is psychic. Yeah. So one of the things, we, we obviously get the reprise of Monsters and Men. And he's like, you can manifest this gun. You don't need to reach out for it. Just manifest it. And it's a re- really nice moment. And, like, he leaves. He gets, like, his really nice, like, final bow yeah. as this character. Mm-hmm. And Lex shoots Sherman. Sherman. And he's like, where did that come from? Yes. Loved it. And we learn that there's this prophecy that she needs to wake the sleeping warrior. Yeah, the warrior of light. Yes. Which... I always assumed was Becky because Becky was asleep. Yeah, but I think it's, but it's Tom. Yeah, because because he has the line where he's like, "Oh, I'm, I felt like I'm awake for the first yeah, time." Yeah, he's like out of drowsy town because like he's under mm-hmm. Wiggly's power. So I like this bit. Tom steps forward. And I thought, "Huh, why is he dressed as the Joker?" Because he's still in himself, but the green light on his hair has gone like full Joker. Yeah, it was great. And I thought it was a really interesting choice to show like his descent into Wiggly madness. And, and actually, no, it's just really interesting lighting. It is. But this is where it gets really, really interesting. So he's leaving. Yeah. And Lex catches up and says that, you know that your son doesn't want this doll. And Tom's like, of course he does. It's like, well, when have you ever heard him ask for it? And this is where we learn of Wiggly's plan, where like people will think that this doll will fill that hole in their lives. That... Kids don't have because they're too innocent and pure. Adults do because of all the disappointment that they've had. Yeah. And it makes sense. You know, and Tom sings If I Fail You. And again, Dylan Saunders is such a powerhouse. You know, he goes from feeling so weary of this world to feeling like he's a man reborn. 
Mm-hmm. And I love this, that he's like, I've got some, you know, all my son wants is a father and things won't change that. I just need to be there for him. Yeah. And he agrees to help Lex and off they go to save the day. It's really nice. It's a really nice, like, everything's going to be all right moment. Yeah. And then the cult comes back on. They come through the audience. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, Becky and Hannah are going to be, like, sacrificed. And they open Hannah's backpack. There's Mm -hmm. no Wiggly. And just as it looks like Linda is going to lose her mind and kill Hannah, Lex shows up with Wiggly. And she's like, why would you do that? Yeah. idiot girl. Mm -hmm. You've come here with a doll. What do you expect? And Tom grabs her. Yep. And holds her. They've trapped Linda brilliantly. He's going to shoot her. Yes, and because Lex says that she's going to burn the Wiggly doll, yes, Linda suddenly has like a burst of cosmic power yes. and, and just like does. It's, I, I'm still going to call it the burst of cosmic power, yes. but it's you know when like a two year old suddenly doesn't get their way, yes, and they just are like they're either going to hold their breath until they pass out or yeah. just scream until you give them what they want. It's that. She just screams and then she gets to the top of the stairs and she stops and goes, ah. Yeah, but it is, and it's one of those moments that it's it's Lauren Lopez getting a nice comedic moment that mm-hmm. she does so well. But again, it's without it being too much a focal point and without it ruining this big moment because now the tables have turned yet again. I'm thinking, damn it, Lex, you should have just burnt Wiggly when you had the chance. And we go into Wiggle. Yep. Wiggle, 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 wiggle. Yeah. I love the bit. So we've had Carol of the Bells playing through it, and now we have when Wiggly comes, when, when Wiggly, Wiggly comes, comes, when Wiggly comes, when Wiggly comes. Oh Which my is god. That's what it's I always so say whenever that song comes on. Sinister. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's really, really clever. Really, really good. We also get a dance break at the end of this song. Yeah. From two of the Star Kids, which we haven't really had before from their their productions. Well, so... With the exception of show-stopping number. Yeah, but that's what they're parodying. Because yeah. Robert Mannion does the same dance move that he did in that. Yeah. And weirdly, nobody cheered. Yeah, well... And then... We're, we're um, deliberately not talking about a certain star kid. Yes. But then... James Tolbert, he does... Like a air barrel roll yes and it's very cool and but like that's it yeah but it's, it, i was expecting more i wanted jeff blim to come out and do like the robot or something but yeah you know we got these two and it was nice but just as we think all hope is lost because linda has the wiggly becky's got a gun mm-hmm. and linda still mocks her and becky's like no i'm just lining up my shot and shoots Lauren Lopez right between the eyes yep. and kills her. And the cult is all like, oh no, we've lost our profit. <laughs> One of my favourite bits, Gary rings up Gerald. He's like, Gerald, yes, hi, it's Gary, Gary Goldstein. Yeah. We need to talk about the will. The will. <laughs> That's, so That's it. And Lex says to everyone, she holds up Wiggly and says, you have a choice. Mm-hmm. You can leave them all now 
or you can die with you your... You can su- burn with your god. Yes. Yeah. And they all, they just want this burning Wrigley and the mall burns down. Mm-hmm. And we have Tom and Lex. Tom, Becky, Lex and Hannah are all yeah. like stood up on the uh, platform. Well, it's, it's, they're outside. They're not actually... They're, they're, yeah, they've left the mall now. They're yeah. like on the other side of the street watching and his car has been towed. Yes. Which is hilarious. Yeah, it's a nice little callback. And while they're standing there watching the mall burn down, uh, Emma and Paul arrive. Yes. and With Tim, but Tim's not on stage yeah. because Hannah's on stage. Well, this is it. And I really like this moment because this is like, again, a really great reference. They, they tell the whole story. They say that the whole world is wrong. It's all crazy. Like Moscow's Moscow's gone, mm-hmm. and and I like the bit where Tom says it's finally ta- time to start talking about Jane. Yeah, but where do we go? Where are we going to be safe? And Emma says, "Well, I have this weird like physics professor mm-hmm. who's a bit of a conspiracy nut, and he has like an, a panic room. Maybe we could go there." And that, of course, got a massive cheer because it's the exact same like conversation has and i like the idea that in every alternate reality when things start falling apart emma's reaction is hey let's go to professor higgins yeah you know i like that that got a really nice cheer but wow what an ending when we have what if tomorrow comes mm-hmm. it's eleven fifty-seven p.m we're so close to the end of black friday but this song just feels so sinister yeah like how many endings, you know, this is where we should have that triumphant, like, everything's okay, we survived, everything's okay. No, but Look instead we get this, like, really, like, weirdly deep, like, Hannah is singing about how she is already seeing visions of what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. But does everybody else see them, or is this just her... And does everybody else understand exactly how bad yeah, it's going to like, be? It's like, it's tomorrow, no tomorrow, tomorrow in an hour, or tomorrow comes tomorrow today. Tomorrow comes today, yeah. yeah. And you're like, this is really, really weird. And everyone joins in. And we have, oh my days, the most powerful ending. Because like, there's 15 seconds left. They <laughs> So, <laughs> in Spongebob the musical, <laughs> yes. there's this bit at the end. There's a... In Spongebob the musical, a volcano is going to go off and yes. destroy Bikini Bottom. And right at the end, they sing, um, not Bikini Bottom Day, Best Day Ever. Yeah. The actual Spongebob song that has been translated for the musical. And at the end, they count down. And when they get to one... Is this one, the end of Act One? No, it's the end of the show. Okay. They count down and they get to one. And then everybody like goes really quiet and then Spongebob sings on his own and it's exactly the same tonally as this and it always whenever this I watch this part of the show it makes me think of Spongebob for our listeners out there in America you are very very lucky and I am so jealous of you because there is a DVD of Spongebob the musical Mm -hmm. that can only be bought in America it's an American region exclusive Mm -hmm. Um, I saw on Amazon they have a Blu-ray the Blu-ray doesn't say anything about being region exclusive, but I'm not going to chance it and spend £20 on the Blu-ray for it just to not work when it gets here. Yep. I am very, very jealous. And if there's anyone listening who has Spongebob on Blu-ray and can vouch for the fact that you can play it on any region, mm-hmm. please let me know so I can purchase Spongebob the musical. 
and we can cover it in 2022 because I am desperate to see this show. Yeah. Anyway, as an ending, it's great because they're like, there's 15 seconds left and we count down five, three, and we get one. And all we hear is this whooshing noise. Yeah, it's a plane going overhead and them trying to figure out exactly what it's bringing. And I love the fact that it's ambiguous because for me, mm-hmm. it's the Russian response. Yeah, it's World War Three starting. It's World War Three starting. And it's like Fallout, you know, that's what we're going into. But I love the fact that we don't know if there was a tomorrow and it's just a phenomenal ending. Mm-hmm. What a show. And like, this, you know, it is just universe is dying, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I'm really intrigued as to what the future brings for Hatchetfield. Can Hatchetfield survive an apocalypse mm-hmm. or a Nexus level event? Yeah. So, what is your best song? Because this is a show filled with phenomenal songs. Mm-hmm. And I really struggled, but I think I'm going to have to go with either. I could go with most of the songs. I think I'm going to have to go with take me back i think it's a really beautiful song and i love the fact it still has a bit of a joke at the end but what if tomorrow comes is such a powerful ending yeah but i like wiggle yeah wiggles they're all really good and our doors are open those are my like top two see our doors are open i will say is the closest thing i have to a skip song really not because i disliked it i i don't think I, I would listen to all of the soundtrack first of all i would absolutely listen to all of the soundtrack the only reason i would say our doors are open is the closest thing i have to a skip song is because of all of them it's the only one i can't really remember how it goes right That's now the teen angel one yeah but even then like i wouldn't remember the bird if i hadn't written the note yeah so that's the only reason I'm going to say skip because it's it's the only one that hasn't really stuck with me, mm. you know. But that's not me saying it's bad. I want to listen to all of the soundtrack, please. Yeah. Do you have a skip song? Yes, it's California M.I.A. Right. I that... really like that song. I think it's great in the context of the show, but I wouldn't listen to so it. On its here's own. the thing. It was also one of the songs I thought about skipping, but can I rightfully say a song that gives me Green Day and My Chemical Romance vibes can ever be my skip song? Hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. That feels like it's a betrayal to me as a person. <laughs> like, I'm not ready to throw away my emo side. Yeah. And I say that in full respect. Like, My Chemical Romance is one of the most important parts of my life mm-hmm. and has been since I was... 15, 14. Yeah. You know, I will always be this little boy who, who like this little teenage boy who loves MCR because they're there for me when I'm down. But So could I say that California MIA is one of my skip songs? No. Mm-hmm. But it, again, doesn't rank up there as one of the better songs in this. Yeah. If that makes sense. Who would you want to play in this one? Because there's a, there's some great characters. I don't know. I'd be I'd happily play any character in this. I mean, I want to be Tom. Yeah. I love Tom's arc. Mm. Plus, basically has my vibe anyway. Yeah, I know, right? He's literally dressed as you for the entire show, right? You're just going to draw me as myself for this one. Yeah, I know. Nobody's going to be able to tell. I would also like to play Uncle Wiley. There's something fun about being an unhinged person. Yeah. That I'd really enjoy doing. 
you know? Yeah. Do you have one character, regardless of gender, that you would play? Not really. You'd play anyone? I'd happily play any character. Which is a rarity for you. This is usually difficult for you because you don't have choices. Here you've got all the choices. I know, I have so much choice and now I can't decide. Are there any characters you definitely wouldn't want to play then? Yeah. Please elaborate. But this is a weird one. Yeah. So in the background. Yeah. So many of these characters like in the background. In the background of this show, there is a kid played by Robert Mannion who is credited as Twinkie Kid. Yeah. And... Yeah, just that description alone is enough for me to know why. Yeah. So he's not in it until halfway through what do you say at which point he cuts in front of the corrupt guy and behind becky yeah when he shows up in that song and then uh they say that like oh yeah no he was in the bathroom and came back and she was just holding his spot for yeah. him which she says she wouldn't do anyway so that's not true but that's his fan given name that character doesn't have a name yeah so the fans chose to call him twinkie kid and the, the joke is like, oh, is it Twinkie because he's a twink or because of the snack? Like, yeah, does he look like a snack? So either way, I would not want to touch that character. I do not like that that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with... <laughs> Who's playing him? Yeah. yeah. Everything that's come out. I Okay, but I'm I'll not... tell you who I wouldn't want to play. I wouldn't want to play Paul. <laughs> I don't think I'd be good as Wiggly. I, I don't think I could do the Wiggly thing. Yeah. I could do the Uncle Wiley thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the suddenly sinister. Suddenly sinister. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be. We don't often talk about who we wouldn't want to be. It's interesting that. I don't think I'd want to be the president in this one. You wouldn't want to be Nick Warbler. <laughs> no, I wouldn't want to be the president. <laughs> I cannot call him Kurt Mega. That is his actual name, yeah. by the way. Cool. I can't call him that. Um, He's Nick Warbler. Another tough question then. Who's your MVP? Jeff Blim. He wrote this. I know. He, right. I know that. I know that. I I could give this to anyone. I genuinely think this is like a career best for so many. Like when you look at how great Dylan Saunders is as Jafar. Yeah. Well, so that's a toss up for me between but, Jeff Blim and Dylan Saunders. But, no, but, but I think I've gone Jeff Blim just because of like his involvement in making these shows. Which is fine. And that's fair. And I agree with that. However, I have to say... That my MVP is Hannah. Yeah. Like, she's phenomenal in this. For a small child, yeah. Yeah. You know, like... Not for a small child. But just... She just is a small child. Is, and she just is phenomenal. And there's so many moments that, like, her responses to things, you feel scared for her. Yeah. Like, it's a quality of acting that you usually associate with movies. Mm-hmm. Where you can get the take right. To do that. And obviously... The adrenaline is different on the night you film. Yeah. To get that performance, no doubt, every night. Oh, it's incredible. And it's so tough because I would say Lauren Lopez is great. Jerry Richter's great. Jeff Blim wrote the music for this. Mm. Dylan Saunders is phenomenal. Every single person has a claim to being MVP. But for me, it has to go to Hannah. Kendall Nicole, yeah. Guess what year she was born? When? 2005. 
<laughs> Things like that scare me. It makes me feel old. So yeah, she's 14, 13 no, at no. this time. Like when they they filmed this. Yeah. Jeez. Yep. So over to Instagram and Twitter before I give my final star rating. I mean, you can probably already guess what I'm going to say. But mm-hmm. over on Instagram, 78% of you said, yes, you are a fan of Black Friday. 22% saying no. Yeah. On Twitter, we had 9% saying, no, not a fan, off to Drowsy Town. Mm-hmm. 33% saying, okay, but it's not top tier Star Kid. And 58% said, yes, out of this world. Yeah. We heard from two of our friends over at the Best Film Ever podcast. Mm-hmm. So we had, first things first, Ethan at Dren Gear Gardener. The ending of this show absolutely destroyed me and just left me sitting in stunned silence by What If Tomorrow Comes, one of the best to date. And it's like, yeah, that as an ending is just wow. Yeah. Loved it so much. And then we heard from Georgia, who we actually spoke about in the preamble, at BFE underscore Georgia, who says, I had a feeling you guys might be doing this now. It is very, very good. Performances all around are incredible. The music is all amazing and haunting and also comedic. So bloody good. To the Mm -hmm. point I have my own Wiggly. He goes with me when I travel to help complete his world domination. (laughs) That's cool. And Georgia also linked to us. uh, If you need a laugh after it as well i highly recommend this video it's just a compilation of all the times the song titles are said in each song but it cracks me up something silly and it is every song in black friday but it's only words from the songs and it is funny and i really really liked it so thank you georgia for sharing that and i'm glad that we got it right that you do have a wiggly Mm -hmm. i gave this one five stars I do think it's my favourite Star Kid. I'm not surprised. Do I rewatch it as much as I would watch Twisted? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But in the same way that I love Les Mis, but could I go watch Les Mis at the theatre every month? Yeah. Probably not. That would that would really hurt my soul. Twisted is easily like that. that you could sit back and just relax after a bad day mm-hmm. this is a really powerful well-made musical and i loved every second of it yeah so yes five stars for black friday mm-hmm. and next week we're gonna swap the format yeah off for some live theater where i will be our lead mm-hmm. for the second time ever what are we going to be watching Next week, we are going to see Blood Brothers. Yes, we are. This is a really fun one for me. I've seen this show so many times. This is easily the musical I have seen the most live. Mm. Partly because I teach it mm-hmm. and I will often book theatre trips for students to go and see it because it's their set text. But we are going to go see Blood Brothers at the new Victoria Theatre in Woking. And I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. I love this show. You don't think it's a musical. I will present some compelling evidence. I'm sure you will. I haven't seen this since I was a teenager and took drama GCSE and had to study it. So this will be interesting. Yes. We also, and I'm really, really excited, because this Friday, Friday the 26th, we won't be launching an episode of It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast, but we will be launching an interview with Robbie Scotcher, mm-hmm. who is one of the actors in Blood Brothers. He plays the narrator. 
Yeah. I'm really, really excited to share that with you all because uh, I, I think it's a fantastic interview. Mm-hmm. And you'll be able to find that this Friday. Yeah. Join us for the conversation on Blood Brothers and then mm-hmm. contribute your views on Blood Brothers. It's a show that has had a lot more success in the UK. Our American listeners or other listeners across the world may not understand Blood Brothers in the same way that English viewers do. So I'd be really, really intrigued to know your perceptions of Blood Brothers as a show, if you're even aware of it. You can get involved in the conversation over on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod. And I'm sure we will have some nice behind the scenes snippets of our journey to Blood Brothers up on TikTok at It's A Musical Pod. And if you like what you do, make sure you subscribe to us over on a multitude of good podcasting platforms. We are going into our Christmas season, Mm -hmm. also so you are notified of any extra content that comes your way. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on the Amazon Music app, in the podcast sections of the library. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Good Pods. And you can find us on Podbean. Thank you once again to everyone who has listened to us on Good Pods. We actually reached number two in the arts charts and we were number one in the indie arts charts. So thank you to everyone who has listened to us on that platform. If you like what we do, why not head over to Good Pods? Why not head over to Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com and leave us a review and say what you love about our show? Mm-hmm. We will be back next week for Blood Brothers. Same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. And have a wonderful Thanksgiving and Black Friday. <laughs> Don't try any folks. <laughs>